I'm willing to bet that for many of you, one of the first prayers you learned, whether it was in Catholic school and in uh, parish religious education, or maybe by your own family, that it would have been the prayer of the Our Father, which Jesus teaches his disciples to pray in our gospel today. Sometimes when we pray the Our Father, though, we pray it quite hurriedly and rushed. Maybe even at Mass we do that. Or if we're praying the Rosary and praying the Our Father to really not think about the words, we simply say them. So today I'd just like to take each word or each line of the Our Father and reflect upon it. Sometimes when I've gone to the Sacrament of Reconciliation, a priest might give me for a penance to say the Our Father slowly and to think about the words. So that's what I want to do today. And so when the disciples ask Jesus, teach us how to pray, he says, teach them, Father. So first they call upon God as Father. This is a way that Jesus prays to the Father in heaven all throughout the scriptures. In the Garden of Gethsemane, for example, Jesus prays, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours be done. From the cross, Jesus prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. So this is the way that Jesus calls God Father. I think for some of us, though, it might be hard to relate to God as Father, and maybe that's because of relationships in our own life, because we know that there are some fathers out there who haven't been the best of fathers, that they haven't been generous or loving or maybe have abandoned their, their children. And so they don't give a good example of what it means to be a father. A few weeks ago at this Catholic Heart Work Camp that I went on with the youth from St. Raphael, the musician gave a talk, and she was talking about her relationship with God as father. Her experience of her own dad was one that was he was always sick, that he was uh, confined, really, had a debilitating disease. And so for many years of her life, probably 10 or 15 years, her father was confined to a place of care, to a nursing home. In some ways, without her father in the home, and just seeing this, she kind of related to God as father as one who abandoned her because she saw that in some ways she felt abandoned by her own father who couldn't be there for the events of her life, for those momentous occasions. And so she began to reflect that back to God. But we can look to God who can make up for what is lacking in our lives. So God, who is Father, is all loving and generous. He's good to us. And so whatever was lacking maybe in our relationship, the Lord can fill. God the Father can. Also, when we pray the Our Father, we say Our Father. Our is left out of Luke's account, but the reality that all of us are children of the Father. And so all of us call God by that way. God is the father of all people. The, the second phrase of the Our Father in Luke's Gospel is, Hallowed be your name. A number of weeks ago at St. Raphael, I gave a homily on the power of the name of Jesus. 
that oftentimes in our society today, the name of Jesus is taken in vain. Go to any sporting event and you'll hear the name of God used with disrespect. I think that when we pray, hallowed be your name, it some way restores the dignity and honor and respect that we should have for the name of God. It calls to mind one of the commandments that was given to Moses, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So as Jesus teaches us to pray, he's teaching us that we should revere and respect the name of God. The next phrase, your kingdom come. We ask God to really establish his kingdom which is in heaven here on earth. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, is one of love and joy, of justice and of peace. And how much really we need to pray for that realization of that kingdom here on earth. We see all the hatred and the violence that's around us, and so we do need the kingdom of love and of peace. And so we ask the Lord to establish that here and now, that we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to experience it, but that we could have it now. The next line, give us each day our daily bread. As we pray this prayer, especially in the context of the Mass, I think it's a a wonderful example and points us to the Eucharist. It evokes that image of Jesus, the bread of life. That Jesus says, give us each day our daily bread. That Jesus nourishes us with food from the altar. That as John says, the bread of life. It also calls to mind the image from the Old Testament when Moses was leading the people out of slavery into freedom in Israel. So out of Egypt into Israel, and they were in the desert, and they were hungry. And so God rains down manna from heaven each and every day, except on the day of the Sabbath, that the previous day then God rained down more manna that was enough for the Sabbath. I think that's another image that we have in this give us this day our daily bread. That's truly what God did for the people in the desert. I think also as we say this prayer, this give us each day our daily bread, this line, that it realizes for us that we are dependent upon God, that God gives us everything that is good, that we rely on God for each and everything that we have in our life. And then we pray, forgive us our sins. I like this line in the prayer because it calls us to reflect on the fact that in our lives we have committed sin. Sometimes uh, I stand in utter amazement when someone comes before me and they tell me that I don't have any sins. I simply think in my mind, well, Mother Teresa is here in front of me then. But every time we pray the Our Father, we acknowledge that. Forgive us our sins. When we pray the Confidior at Mass, we say in our thoughts, in our words, in what we have done and in what we have failed to do. Those are the ways in which we sin, and so we ask the Lord for forgiveness. And then the next line is the challenge. Jesus says, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. This was a teaching of Jesus all throughout the Gospels, that we would be forgiven to the measure that we forgive others. So that if we come to the altar and we have a grudge against someone, we should go first and be reconciled, Jesus says. So it calls us to reflect on that and really to pray that we will have the ability to do that, to be able to forgive all those who have wronged us in some way. 
And lastly, as the prayer concludes in our gospel today, it says, do not subject us to the final test. I think this calls to mind the fact that evil is real, that there is a battle between good and evil, light and darkness, between God and the devil or Satan, that, uh, that we are tempted, that we are tried. In the more common form of the Our Father that we pray, we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here Luke says, do, um, do not subject us to the final test. I don't know what the final test is, but if I had to offer a guess, I would say that the final test would be one of fidelity, whether or not we would remain true and faithful to God, that in the end of our life, suffering and sick, will we be faithful to God? But we ask, do not subject us to the final test. We ask God, don't bring me there, but if you do, then let me be able to withstand it. Help me in those moments. This is the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. It's a prayer that we commonly pray here at Mass, in the Rosary, in many different ways that you might pray this prayer in many different forms. And so, as we reflect on each and every word today, hopefully when we pray it at the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching later at this Mass, that it will have greater meaning for us and that we'll begin to live each and every word of it calling God Father, respecting the name of God, praying for the kingdom, depending upon God and forgiving us and others as well.